Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Blue Jays fans, what an evening we have for you here on Jaybird Watching. We are back after a two-week visitation, I guess, with the Radio Scouts. Brendan Panikar is with me, Craig Borden. And Brendan, I know we had a little break, but it seems like everything hit all at once all of a sudden today for us to have our first show back in a couple weeks. Pretty good timing, eh, with signing a Tanner Roark. But uh, I think this episode title is The Boys Are Back in Town, Baby, because it's about time we're recording together again. <laughs> I was thinking Pitch Ninja and Free Agents, but... <laughs> <laughs> but we'll figure it out. We'll... So, but it is good to be back. It's been, like we were talking about before the show, fans, it felt weird not talking to my counterpart here for... You know, on the show for every week, like we've been doing for what over a year now, Brendan. Yeah, been over a year. It, it, you know what? I think we've had maybe one break uh, since we gone to weekly, and where it's been like, yeah, the schedule just did not line up for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was odd, man, because we were saying before we started recording, it's almost been a full month since the last time it was just you and I. It's crazy. Yeah, and then not that it was a bad visit or a reason or anything, but we had plenty of fun with the Radio Scouts podcast over the last two weeks and rebroadcast it on our channel here, but it worked out pretty well. It was a fun time, but now it's time to get back to business, Brendan, and apparently the Blue Jays finally are freaking opening the checkbook. I know, shocking, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, you know what? Now that they've signed somebody, I'm a little bit more at ease than I was before uh, the Roar signing was announced because it's just like, guys, just fucking do something. Like, come on. We know you need pitching. You keep on saying you need to make an addition to the rotation. And they did. I wouldn't call it a major splash, but it's a it's a minor splash that could be okay, provide some stability. So I don't hate it. I wouldn't say that I'm enamored or in love with it, but Roar's been a a guy who can make 30 starts a year and you can count on and stay healthy and I think that's what they need in this rotation. Yeah, you get a piece of stability. This kind of almost just uh, this was a resurgence of the Matt Shoemaker deal for me all over again because that's all this felt like. You're not getting anything crazy. Shoemaker I believe has some more upside versus Roark is, you know, 33 years old. <laughs> but the fact that he's somebody that's going to eat up innings we need somebody in this rotation amongst all the youngsters to be able to chew up some innings. And a two-year deal for $24 million, I'm going to say that's market value for somebody like Tanner Roark. They didn't overpay. They didn't underpay. Found a nice little medium, I think, for both sides to be happy there, Brendan. What do you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. And you know what? I think the good thing with this is if Roark gets off to a decent start, um, I'll wait and see if that actually happens. But if he gets off to a decent start and some of the kids are knocking on the door and it's just like, yeah, we got to get these guys a rotation spot, you never know. Roark could be a trade chip at the deadline. So, a nice little addition and you know what very similar contract to when they re-signed Marco Estrada on that two year I think it was actually 24 million dollars so right in line with that obviously Estrada offered you much more upside than Roark does but the stability is what they need and Craig if you go back and look at the way the 2015 rotations started you had Drew Hutchison you had Mark Burley you had R.A. Dickey and then you had two kids 
in Aaron Sanchez and Daniel Norris. So a little bit of uncertainty with the last two guys, a little bit of uncertainty to somewhat stability in Hutchinson or Drew Hutchison. And then you have the two horses that you can count on. And I think you have those two horses again that will kind of give you similar levels of production of a Burley and a Dickey with Tanner Roark and Chase Anderson. Now they just need that high ceiling guy. We'll get into that later. But now they have two guys you can count on. Shoemaker's a little bit of a wild card with his injury uh, history, but Shoemaker's fine. And then you got two unknowns at the back end of your rotation. We'll see how that all plays out throughout spring training. Yeah, with the way that rotation is at least forming up at the top with Roark, Anderson, and Shoemaker at this point, Brennan, it feels like we don't have anybody really running ahead to that race. You kind of got everybody, I would say, is on par with each other. And I honestly wonder how much of a competition that's going to start up with the three of them. We saw that how that was at the beginning of this season with uh, Marco Stroman, Aaron Sanchez, and Shoemaker really, really pushing each other. And even the coming out of the bullpen before it all together, even on in days when the guys weren't starting together, that competition was clear that they were all pushing each other. And I think that's a solid group of guys that actually will perform very well pushing each other like that. Don't forget, this is a guy in Tanner Roark that was a Cy Young-like uh, level pitcher in 2016. He actually finished 10th in the Cy Young Award voting in 2016 with a 16-10 record and a 2.83 ERA. Slightly ridiculous, and obviously he fell off back to his normals the seasons following that, Brennan, but it's nice to see that they were enough for somebody that can chew up some innings. Got 165 innings in last season between the Cincinnati Reds and the Oakland A's. Hopefully, we'll get a little bit more than that, but I think that's probably asking for about where you should get from uh, Tanner Roark in that 160, 180 innings ballpark right now. Yeah, and I don't think we're going to see a 2016 or even 2014 Tanner Roark. Both of those seasons, he was at a 3.3 F4 there. But if you go back and look at the previous two with the Nationals, and as you mentioned, the Cincinnati Reds and Oakland Athletics, he was a two-win pitcher the season prior for, I guess, 2019, and then a uh, two, 2.2 win pitcher in 2018 with the Nationals. And if they can get that, combine that with maybe a two-win Chase Anderson in that four department, then you're not off to a great start, but it's something that you can count on every fifth day with those two guys going out there. So two-fifths of it is pretty solid right now. I would say as long as you're near the back half and not near the front half, then you're fine. I like Chase Anderson a lot more than Roark, but you know what? I was a big fan of Roark back in his national stage. So if they can get something similar, then I don't. Th- this is a fine signing to me. I just don't think there's a crazy amount of upside, which uh, is a little disappointing. But you know what? Just go out there and eat innings and take your turns to the rotation every fifth day, and that's all they need Roark to do for now. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of those other things that you were just starting to touch on there, but I want to make one more point about Tanner Roark. He's been on teams that know how to win, Brendan, and that's what the Blue Jays need. So that might be his upside potential is the fact that he's going to show these kids how to be a major league you know, starter and let them hopefully run into the playoffs, right? Oh, for sure. And he's been on playoff teams before with the Washington Nationals, and I believe he's even gotten some starts uh, in the postseason for the Nationals back in uh, 2016 or whenever it was. 2014 uh, and 2016, and actually didn't do too bad in either of those starts. And one of them was actually out of the bullpen, I take that back. So (laughs) he only got one start in the playoffs, and that was in 2016, and he threw four and a third and allowed two earned runs. And, of course, that's the National League baseball-style play. Part of that he was taken out pretty quickly, probably for a pinch hitter in a close game. And you know what? I don't think you can expect anything flashy from Roark from time to time. You can make it a nice seven-inning performance, but 
Uh, he's a pretty safe bet for five innings, three earned runs, maybe four earned runs, and maybe the odd six inning start. And as I mentioned, he can go deeper, maybe go give you seven or eight on a very good day. But that's right in line with his last two seasons when his ERA was 4.35 in 2019 and 4.34 in 2018. If you get that, then you know what, you're fine. That's, that's decent production for a guy who could right now unfortunately slot at the top of the rotation barring any other additions but later in the year if he's down to the three or the four slot then uh, hey that's fine with me yeah i think that's one of those situations that'll sort itself out we'll talk free agent pitchers and other trade possibilities here very shortly we have to talk about the other blue jays signing that many people might have missed brendan but this is one of those cool stories in baseball and just how things just happen to fall into place the Blue Jays signed a guy off the frickin' Twitter account, basically, named James Dykstra, who has um, been a pitch ninja. <laughs> he goes online <laughs> on Twitter and just shows his videos and just just happens. The Blue Jays uh, must have been watching those videos and scouting through it, and they found James Dykstra, who has topped out at 100 miles an hour on the radar gun with some pretty nasty movement on that fastball, man. For all those listening, we did retweet this out on our Twitter account just before the show, so check out James Dykstra's stuff. But, Brendan, I'm pretty impressed with watching his video here. Yeah, you got four pitches with this guy, and if that's coming out of the bullpen, you got to think that that can give you a leg up on some other guys coming out of the bullpen where most of them have one or two pitches top. This guy, fastball, splitter, curveball, and slider, as uh, he put out on his Twitter account on November the 18th. And that fastball is right in 97, 98-mile-per-hour range, and the splitter... It looks nasty as this video continues to replay on my feed right now. But, yeah, you know what? Hey, hey, if you can find this guy and he turns into something from somebody posted a video on Twitter, <laughs> why the hell not, right? It just shows the evolution, and I think our friends over at Blue Jays Nation actually nailed this perfectly, that this is the evolution of the game. This is the game within the game. How do you get the edge on other teams? The fact that maybe some of the other Major League Baseball teams are not looking at Pitch Ninja or the Flat Ground app. Uh, Twitter accounts maybe as much. The Blue Jays were able to get enough to see what they liked out of James Dykstra. I'm sure they did some more digging and actually met him and did all the real scouting, scouting stuff. But the fact that this is how they might have gotten initially to know who the hell James Dykstra is and know that he has a wicked fastball and some really good secondary pitches. The slider in this video, fans, if you don't get a chance to watch it, this thing hooks like freaking nasty across the plate. He's a very powerful right-handed pitcher that could turn into something very nice for the Blue Jays. And honestly, Brendan, I'm going to throw a Blue Jay name out here. Watching him throw in this video kind of reminded me of Billy Koch. Imagine if he could be anything Billy Koch-wise from starting, then, you, then you're laughing. Be like, holy crap, we basically signed this guy for nothing. He is, I believe the contract was, uh, it hasn't really been publicized by any of the beat writers at all, pretty much just on this Twitter account here. Uh, but this kid... Not listed on the Blue Jays depth chart currently, but so it's probably a minor league sign. I mean, it would. It be was minor a minor league, league signing, yes. Right, right. So he's going to have an opportunity to go win himself a job in spring training, and you know what? And no minor league signing is a bad one, even if they've had previous major league experience or not. Whether they're coming from the coast, like Dykstra is currently pitching in Mexico or was until he signed the guy from Korea, Japan, wherever it may be. No minor league signing is a bad one, and if this kid's stuff can play in the big leagues. That could be a nice arm in the bullpen. Definitely nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and it's a nice compliment to the other move that they made with the minor league deal to A.J. Cole that we, you and I had both talked about previously on the Radio Scouts podcast. It's just 
trying to grab solid arms that can fill out a bullpen. And I think those two guys are guys that are going to be what you look for in a bullpen arm. Some guy with some nasty stuff that could come out and air it out for an inning, and both those guys fit that mold pretty damn nicely. Well, and you know what they don't really have in their bullpen right now beyond Ken Giles is, is velocity. And Dykeser can bring you velocity. A.J. Cole can bring you some velocity as well. But other than that, you're just going through and looking. Luciano, yeah, like 94, 95, I believe he was topping out at. Cavilio, Wilmer Font, Jordan Romano, Thomas Pannone, and Anthony Bass, who are currently listed on the depth chart, don't really bring much velocity. So it's nice to see them adding uh, some hard throwers beyond Ken Giles to that pen. That's what's sorely lacking currently in the Blue Jays' bullpen. Yeah, get that raw talent back in there. Speaking of ridiculous raw talent that is finally starting to surface, the Yankees just unfortunately blew the baseball world out of the water, Brendan. Is this the rebirth of the evil empire that has been semi-laying dormant in free agents markets over the last few years? Garrett Cole signing a record deal for a major league pitcher with the New York Yankees. Go ahead, Brendan. Give me where, give me your two cents. Put it this way. Last year he struck up 326 batters with the Houston Astros, and he just got a $324 million contract. That's over a million dollars per strikeout. Slightly <laughs> insane. So Yeah, slightly I, insane. <laughs> we're going to talk about some of the fallout for this whole thing in a few minutes here, but just the fact that I get the deal, and I understand why he got that much money, but he's going to be 38 by the time this contract is up. Do you see a guy like Garrett Cole pitching to his late 30s like a Randy Johnson? I don't quite see it. No, they're definitely paying for the current production, which, you know what, everybody's screaming for the Blue Jays to do that with their uh, payroll flexibility right now. With how little commitments you have, and we'll touch on this later when you get into Dallas Keuchel or Hunter Rio, you got to sign some over-the-top contracts from time to time and suck it up you know likely that a Garrett Cole contract like that will come back and bite them and will be tough to get him off the books by the time he's up in his upper 30s because that velocity will start to tick down. He won't be the same guy that he is currently. But if you pay a premium to get a legitimate ace talent in here now and you can ride that up for two, three, maybe four or five years tops, then that makes the contract worth it. You figure out that lopsided amount of money later. Um, so I get it. It hopefully will come back and bite the Yankees later in the, his career, but who knows? By that time, the Yankees might be on the downswing. So maybe they're figuring, let's go out, win ourselves a World Series or two with Garrett Cole leading our rotation. It's what the Yankees were missing the last few years because they didn't get that out of James Paxton last year and Luis Severino was injured. So they're loading up. I would expect them to be in the World Series already. I know their odds increase significantly. But uh, it's going to suck. It's going to suck having to see Garrett Cole go out there. When you play the Yankees 19 times per year, there's a very good chance that Garrett Cole is going to get three to four starts against the Blue Jays this season. Yeah, and easily could be somebody just as hard for Blue Jays hitters to hit as Justin Verlander has been for us over the last few years. So, um, seeing him in any of pinstripes is, you know, one thing. But that contract, I just still can't get over how much money that was. And I would never imagine that the Toronto Blue Jays management would have even, knowing that they might be able to sell the window of opportunity here as Blue Jays offense is going to be slightly ridiculous, I think, for the next five years you would have been hoping to counteract that idea with having that much offense, with having that much pitching with somebody like Garrett Cole, but knowing the fact that how this team spends money, they would have never wanted to have those risky years in the final remnants of that contract. 
But no, no way. It, and you know what? That kind of leads in in a way to Zach Wheeler and how they missed out on him. They were prepared to go up to a hundred million dollars for Zach Wheeler, which I would have been totally fine with. But they weren't going to go above that. So they set their hard limit on guys. They're prepared to go as high as they want to go and not budge. There's no way that they're going to spend that much money on Garrett Cole. And they they didn't shell out extra money that they felt unnecessary to get Zach Wheeler here. So it's not a surprise. Yeah, and now that the Phillies signing Didi Gregorius and everybody else, they're probably pushing the luxury tax for next season. <laughs> I'd imagine so. <laughs> um, so there's that whole. Obviously, the Blue Jays aren't even in the remote, you know, city, <laughs> let alone ballpark for the luxury tax with their payroll. But the fact that knowing Zach Wheeler is going to make 118 million dollars for the next five years, uh, I think might have been what killed him on that whole thing. Brennan might have been that fifth year. Well, you think the I think the thing that is getting people so frustrated when you see a Wheeler or you currently still see a Hunjin Ryu out in the free agent market is now that they have so little financial contributions, if you get a guy in a four-year deal, front load it so that it doesn't hurt you two years from now after you've paid the majority of their contract. Perhaps they yeah, have Russell been Martin trying the hell to out do that. that. Exactly. <laughs> front load it and pay him up front. But you know what? That wouldn't surprise me if that's a bit of a deterrent to free agent signing here is that the fact that they know, yeah, you're going to get the majority of your money up front, which, hey, you'll get a lot of it right away, but I don't know. Money's it, money it's to me. To if you say. want to hand me $118 million for the next five years, I don't care how I get it as long as I get it. <laughs> exactly, as long as I get it. You know what? You're paying a premium for a guy who you'll get in his prime. So I, I, that, that's what's the most frustrating thing right now is they do have that flexibility. If they really need a guy and want a guy, which they definitely do, of a Hundred Ryu or a Zach Wheeler type, front load it and spend a shit ton of money to make sure that you get their services and then figure out the rest of the details after that. Yeah, I think the thing that hurts me the most about the Zach Wheeler bit is the fact that I see him in a very similar trajectory in his career to Garrett Cole. The fact that yeah. he... Garrett Cole, remember, highly toted prospect for the Pittsburgh Pirates, kind of didn't really have all of it clicking, or definitely wasn't hitting on all, all cylinders in, in Pittsburgh. All of a sudden turns into a Cy Young award-winning like level p pitcher just from a move and a scenery change. Obviously a very competitive uh, team or banging out too many trash cans. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what that little bit was, but that change of scenery was the the light of the fire of Garrett Cole to go get this contract. I think that the Phillies are getting something very similar in Zach Wheeler at a little bit of a different time because of you know, contract and team obligations and stuff like that. But I think as far as the where they could get from Zach Wheeler, that could look like a very cheap deal in the next few years if Zach Wheeler turns into what Zach Wheeler, I think, could be. For sure. And I've seen that comparison, too, out there. Where maybe Zach Wheeler is the next kind of version of Garrett Cole or Garrett Cole Light. And if that's the case, I will suck that they missed out on that. But, uh, yeah, the, you know what played a big thing in that it was geography. He wanted to be close to where his wife is from down in New Jersey, so they are nice and close there. So there was no way the Blue Jays could change the geography of where they are located. So if that was ultimately the true decision-maker to the contract he ended up choosing with the Phillies, and there's nothing you can really do about that. But at the same time, money does talk. Yeah. So if they wanted him, they could have spent more. Meanwhile, you couldn't pay me enough to go to New Jersey. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll stay away from Newark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
too many times been in that airport and just nightmares. But so <laughs> in the flip of this whole thing, obviously we were just talking about some of the guys that the Blue Jays obviously either didn't even go after or missed out on in Zach Wheeler. The two current guys past Tanner Roark that the Blue Jays are linked to are possibly Hyunjin Ryu and uh, Dallas Keuchel. The two of them present an actual ace for this, you know, 2020 Toronto Blue Jays rotation, Brendan. I don't know which one I would honestly take as a clear cut, and I'm starting to wonder if the trade market with some of these names that are floating around in free agency are starting to lessen the luster of Ryu and uh, Keiko. What do you think? Out of the two, I would definitely go with Ryu, uh, just because looking at Keiko, last year he was all right with the Braves, and he got off to a later start in his season because he signed late with the Braves, so he only got 112 innings. But the amount of hard contact that was coming off of his bat last year was a little scary for me. I mean, still, if they miss out on Ryu and they end up getting Keuchel, hey, I'm fine with that. I'll take that no, in a heartbeat uh, just because he'd be a clear upgrade on everybody else that they currently have. But uh, out of the two, I would definitely go with Ryu. It's interesting. I haven't seen much, if any, reports on the Blue Jays even talking or considering or having dialogue with Dallas Keuchel, but you consistently see that with Hunter Ryu, whether it's John Heyman putting that out there or J.P. Morosi. You can take Morosi reports with a grain of salt for the most part. But, uh, you yeah. Who? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> J.P. Morosi. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of smoke and mirrors. But, yeah, no, Ryu would be my guy that I'd be targeting. I hope that they still are and are prepared to spend money to ensure you get him. The one thing I did see today, which is actually going to be in their favor, Craig, is that there's no truth to the fact that Hunter Ryu is – 100% dead set on not leaving the West Coast. I mean, obviously, it's closer for family members to come over and watch him being on the West Coast to uh, Japan. I think Hanjin Ryu is from Japan um, or Korea, uh, but wherever he's from, it's easier for family to travel. But regardless, the report that came out today was that the twins are also linked to him, and geography won't pay or uh, won't play a factor in wherever Hanjin Ryu signs. So if he wants, if he's fine with and open to the Minnesota Twins, which are further north than Toronto, and worse weather in an outdoor ballpark in April and into May, then you got to think that you're in play for 100 Ryu, and that's kind of exciting. I know that the city of Minnesota has a wonderful international airport, but so does the city of Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Um, and it, honestly, both beautiful towns to play in. But I, if I'm if I'm Ryu, I'm looking at not just where I he's going to be living in this play, wherever he signs for the rest of his career, probably. So I'm going somewhere I'm comfortable and I just can't imagine him missing out on the culture. That is the city of Toronto and not getting a little, you know, in, invested in it and loving it. That I I'm, as you know, and most of our fans know, I'm not from Toronto, <laughs> and I love <laughs> the city of Toronto, and I've been frequent guest, as every everybody knows. But I I just can't imagine knowing all the culture that is in this in the city that you know he could just dive into it and immerse himself and be feel like maybe a little bit more homey than he might in some other cities. Is all I was thinking. It's a good selling oh, point sure. that the Blue Jays have over a lot of teams. Oh, definitely, yeah. There's a big Asian population here uh, in Toronto. So much like cultural. You know what? I'll compare them very briefly to the Raptors. And back when the Raptors were struggling to sign free agents, their pitch to international free agents that they would sign was how multicultural it is. And that could be part of their pitch to Giannis and Tedekumpo in a few years. So you got to figure with a guy like Hunjin Ryu, who is not American or not even Canadian, that the culture and being by people and being able to go up into 
uh, all these different little pockets of Toronto that has a bunch of culture would be a selling point to them, knowing that there will be some connections to home in a way where you can go and feel like you're kind of at home uh, while being away from home. Uh, but not, yeah, no. There's, there's not to mention the Blue Jays haven't had I, I, as much as I love Minoru Kawasaki. <laughs> he is not like your standout. He's not Ichiro Suzuki for Toronto. You know what I mean? He's not that insanely talented star. Ryu can be a very standout star in Toronto and have a huge following, and everybody would love him. And I just think he'd fit in perfectly to everything that the Blue Jays have going on. He's a talented player. He's a veteran, and I think he'd feel really homey. So if you weren't listening, Mr. Ryu, <laughs> here's your pitch. <laughs> please, please, please do. Yeah, I, I just double-checked because I don't want to say anything incorrect. He is from South Korea, yes. uh, and there's a massive Korean population here. So that definitely could probably be part of their pitch, which would be fantastic. I hope they land him because the signing of Tanner Roark wouldn't make much sense if they miss out on a Dallas Keuchel and a Hunter Ryu because when you think about it, Roark in the American League East Roark's very homer-friendly. He gives up a lot of home runs, and he's going to be pitching in a lot of band boxes in the American League East. So that, on paper, isn't much of a fit. you got to figure that a lot of those kids could have taken a spot like an Anthony Kay or uh, eventually like Trent Thornton right now would be guaranteed a spot. With Ryu, he would not be guaranteed a spot. So, yeah, the Roark signing hopefully is a sign that they will get Ryu or else it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, man. Yeah, let's talk about some of the other not making sense as far as Major League Baseball in general is concerned. What is going on with Major League Baseball teams dangling basically every big name that they possibly have in the cupboard to Major League Baseball free agency, man? The list is getting ridiculous of some of this talent. You can make your own all-star team from some of these guys that teams are hanging out there, Brendan. (laughs) Oh, it's crazy. Like I've seen today already that the uh, Dodgers and the Indians have been discussing Francisco Lindor. You see that uh, the Rockies are reportedly open to Nolan Arenado and dealing Arenado, who is a fucking legitimate superstar. MVP, uh, in, perennial. <laughs> exactly, perennial MVP, Nolan Arenado. And then Chris Bryant with the Chicago Cubs. You can see Bryant coming because of that whole service time manipulation thing. I don't think the relationship with the Cubs and Chris Bryant has ever really been the same. It's been kind of rocky since that whole situation played out. So that one doesn't surprise me, but Arenado, Lindor, like, come on. And then you even go a little further. And some of these teams, like the Indians dangling pitchers, I just got it retweeted on my thing, is that the Angels uh, and Corey Kluber uh, are talking potentially a trade with the Cleveland Indians. So there's a lot of big names being dangled. None of them, which I think the Blue Jays will make a play, but if Kluber's being dangled, then, yeah, you got to have those discussions with the Cleveland Indians front office. Yeah, especially somebody like, isn't Arenado locked up for, like, 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> it's they insane. Just they just signed him last year. Too. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense why they would. I mean, you would get an absolute haul for him unless the Rockies are just being like, yeah, like the Dodgers are just going to take control of this division for the next 10 years or so. Throwing in the white flag, or maybe they think they need to have like three Nolan Arenados, which they might get in that prospect trade for, (laughs) you know, if I'm the Blue Jays, I'm wondering seriously what it takes to even pull Nolan Arenado out of that, because that's a chance to get a franchise player that is going to be in your city for a very long time that probably wouldn't have signed with you otherwise. Am I wrong? This oh. is the same thing as like Josh Donaldson not being traded to the Blue Jays. 
I would offer the Rockies anybody in the system right now other than Nate Pearson. I mean, it probably would take you Nate Pearson in that uh, package, but there's no way I would move him. But anybody else from a position player standpoint, I'm even talking Jordan Groshans. I'm talking about like a, a Simeon Woods Richardson, some of the higher end arms down in single A, like an Adam Klofenstein or an Alec Manoa. The Blue Jays have the talent to be able to get a deal like that done. It'd just be a matter if they actually would want to. But yeah, no, I, I, I would throw the kitchen sink. Uh, the Colorado Rockies with everybody available in the system beyond Nate Pearson. Although, if you don't include Pearson, I really don't think you get a deal. I don't think you do either, unfortunately. And I I just think Nate Pearson's too close to being Major League ready to even include on any trade. I think he's the safest bet, as you you could say, in a Vladdy or Boba shot. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's you're going to have them in the system, period. And, but there might, the, just think of the, the Blue Jays have so much in the damn cupboard. And you knew you had a chance to make your offense just obscenely epic <laughs> for the next like, five, ten years. God, I got to be thinking about that a little bit. A little even bit, a, even sure. the Bryant Lindor and everybody else on the free agent market ballpark. The fact that you could move Vladdy around and bring Nolan Arenado and have an insane left side of that infield with Arenado's defense and Boba Shett. <laughs> That's insane, man. <laughs> uh, that 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 that's uh, that's dream worthy, man. That would be uh, I that might would be, be drooling a little bit on my desk. Just saying. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of big names being dangled right now. But uh, the fact that there are teams discussing Corey Kluber with Indians, I mean, you got to figure that the Blue Jays front office isn't going to let that stone go unturned, especially given their history working with the Cleveland Indians in the past and probably having some. A level of trust with Atkins and Shapiro, with executives in Cleveland, knowing that who they would get for a Kluber and would be good. Kluber, even in that situation, for sure. And Corey Kluber, I would take over a hundred Ryu and a Dallas Keuchel. So if if that's a thing, one thousand percent go after it and try to make a splash. But the thing is, Craig, which has been interesting, is what they've said is free agency is one hundred thousand percent their focus because they don't want to give up some of that talent that is close to being major league ready. But if they strike out on adding uh, a Hunter Ryu or a Dallas Keuchel, then it's like you said earlier, you're going to have to look at the trade market and move some of those pieces that you may not necessarily want to. And that's the catch. It's always that balance, free agency versus trade. What can I get and how is the best I can improve my team? If you were getting somebody back, even in the ballpark of the, you know, any of those big names, you got it. You got to think that I'm, I'm knocking three prospect, prospects from ever even getting to the major leagues by having somebody like Arenado or Lindor on my left side of my infield. So it's automatically, if let's say, let's use the Arenado one as an example. That already means Jordan Groshans doesn't have a job, so I might as well send him to the Rockies in that trade, right? Exactly. Things like exactly. that. So there is a little bit of a ripple effect as far as the how these trades work and what prospects become available because of said workings. But the fact there are might be, Brendan, a few realistic ones that are some familiar faces out on that trade market. Do you want to do it? <laughs> I'll go for it. Okay. 
Um, apparently, quote-unquote, the Yankees don't have enough money to pay Garrett Cole unless they dangle Jay Happ was the basic headline I learned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the I, other was completely, I was completely blanking on where you were going with uh, that. But yeah, no, now you got I'm it. Back, I'm back on the segway rails. <laughs> yeah. So, that was like the only time a segue hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah. Is the third time a charm with the Blue Jays if Jay Happ is more or less traded for a bag of balls back to the Blue Jays? Or maybe just, you know, undoing Billy McKenney. <laughs> oh, well, there's one name that is a familiar face that's out there. I, I, I no, I mean, I fucking love Jay Happ, but <laughs> I, I don't think I would go for that third reunion. To me, if they were to add Jay Happ, then that kind of signifies that they're for the most part done with adding to the rotation. And if that's the case, I mean, Happ last year was pretty damn bad yeah. with the Yankees, and he didn't even get a, a start in playoffs. I don't he know did how much he ever before. got comfy with the Yankees. That's my only worry. Yeah. So, Hap, no. But the other familiar one, David Price, who's being dangled by the Red Sox, who still has three years and $96 million on his con- contract. If the Red Sox were to eat, say, $20 million of that, and you're looking at about $24, 25000000 million for David Price remaining, 100% I would want to do that. Um, and you could probably even ask the Red Sox to get a prospect in return. So if you can add Price to go at the top of your rotation, he's already familiar with Toronto. He's played here. He's pitching the playoffs here. And was seriously entertaining the idea of staying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he, he, he was on the record in 2016 saying that, hey, if Alex Anthopoulos was still running the show, things may have been different. Yeah. So I think there, there was definitely a possibility of a reunion. The new front office didn't want it. Anthopoulos may have. So... In the flip of that, though, you know, I know you mentioned that the Red Sox eating a good chunk of that contract to get uh, to get out of it, basically. But the fact that the Blue Jays could turn around and do the opposite of that and give them jack and or shit in trade and turn around and eat some of that money for the Red Sox over the next three years, you're going to turn around and spend that kind of money on somebody like Rio or Keuchel anyway. Is sure. it a better argument to just say, you know what, fuck it, Red Sox, here, take your $20 million for the next, you know, <laughs> you know, three seasons, and give us David Price. Yeah, absolutely, and if you don't have to give up anything of significance, then hey, you've added an ace. I mean, David Price isn't what he was when he was here in 2015. He's taken a few steps back, but he's still miles better than anybody that's at the top of their rotation right now. It's very similar to if they were to add Corey Kluber. Both are still clearly would be the aces of this team. Yeah. They'd be clear upgrades, but they've both taken steps back. But you got to do it, and they have the money to be able to do it, so go for it. Especially in that contract time frame, it's almost too weird that that David Price one fits that nicely, where the next three years you know our payroll isn't going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a nice little comfort have- blanket with how you would be paying somebody, where right, Ryu and uh, Keiko, you might have to give that fourth year to. You don't know yet. But- exactly. And in, in adding David Price will only help younger guys who are coming up here, like a Pearson when he gets here, being able to lean on David Price and all of his years of experience in the big leagues and, and other young guys. It makes perfect sense. If and that all the young guys might get bathrobes. Great. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Give you a bathroom too. <laughs> Mark, hey, Marco Estrada still wears that. <laughs> I know he does. It's so fun. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if that was ever a legitimate possibility, and they went down the holes and seriously talked about it, then hey, I'll welcome David Price back here with open arms. Yeah, because I don't think the fact that he left was really 
on him. I there was that it was not the right time when with the management change and everything like that. Obviously, differences opinions were more I think what played into that situation. But the fact that we're even circling back to that a few years later and a chance where the Blue Jays have a good shot at being competitive this year if the pieces fall into this offseason right. The big thing is the starting rotation, and David Pier- David Price can be a very big piece of that, Brandon. For sure. No, and you know what? It's, uh, it, it would be nice, and uh, I'd love David Price. I'd be very happy if he came back. Uh, I doubt that it happens. It is a lot of money to take on, but, I mean, hey, man, I'm just kind of contradicting what things have happened in baseball. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, hey, if you want to keep on saying and going on record and saying, yeah, we have the financial flexibility to do so, prove That's it. That's a perfect reason. Like, That's a perfect, right. very simple reason right there for a team that is dying to get out of that contract so that their new management can have some toys to play with. As much as I don't want to give any armaments to the Yankees or the Red Sox, that one's one of those ones that makes sense for the Blue Jays, in my opinion. Oh, no doubt. That uh, that definitely makes a that definitely makes a whole lot of sense. It's gonna be interesting. They um Shadi Vidi just put out um like ten minutes ago, uh, the history of the Blue Jays this decade at the winter meetings. If you go take a look at it, I just retweeted it onto my feed. Yeah, they yeah. don't do a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> like if you go back Oh come on, there's a pretty good highlight in here and signing Roy Holiday to a one year contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a one day contract. And then signing Tomo Oka that same day. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I forgot they did that because Oka had that knuckleball going on oh, in twenty thirteen. And they're like, Yeah, why not? Come on back. Maybe you'll get up here, but it didn't end up happening. <laughs> oh jeez. Nah, there's a lot of unruly rule five picks in here that I don't even want to well, talk about. I mean the rule five draft is tomorrow, isn't it? I fully expect Blue Jays to take somebody in the rule five draft. There's, there's no some way around it. Names floating around in that rule five draft that would make some sense for the Blue Jays, especially if they don't have well right now why not? You got the roster space unless you sign somebody take somebody on a flyer right now and if you don't make that big splash move you at least got something from the rule five draft and you haven't lost any <laughs> so yeah i mean since they've uh taken over the new front office i would say they're two for three on the rule five draft and bringing some value to the team getting luciano in 2018 and Piagini in 2015 yeah. sparkman was the only one who didn't work out so hey give it give it a go and sparkman in buffalo that year was insane he did really, really good for the Buffalo Bisons, but he didn't translate. They never brought him back, brought him up. So yeah. it was one of those things, keep him in the cupboard in case somebody gets hurt kind of situations, felt like more than anything. But claiming Chris Colabello for 2015, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> um, but, Brendan, um, there is one more possible reunion that, honestly, I just can't believe, but it seems to be picking up some steam, and that is possibly bringing back the Ed Wing for a comeback tour. Yeah. <laughs> Bring him back, man. I'm fine with that. On like a one or two year deal. I mean, right now, if you look at the Blue Jays depth chart on their website, they don't have a DH anywhere. Like it, it's a blank picture. There's nobody there. And there's Standing a completely room. open spot. So <laughs> it, it, there's your middle of the order bat that you can put it right around there with Ladd and Bo and Bichio and, and Gritchick and T. Oscar and Guriel Jansen. And if you add Encarnacion to that, where he'll probably still give you a guaranteed 30 bombs for the most part. And, I don't really care what how much else he does. He's just going to be a DH. So if you get that guaranteed 30 home runs and a fan favorite, I mean, that would earn a little bit of brownie points with the fan base, you'd think, bringing Edwin back. And I, I, I wouldn't hate it. I would love that reunion much more than I would Jay Happ. 
Yeah, that, and I think that reunion makes a lot more sense than J-Hap. The fact that Edwin can still mash obscenely. <laughs> there are still plenty of parrot walks going on in Major League ballparks that make this a very interesting and intriguing thing. And then the fact that I think this is that pairing that screams you can put Rowdy Tellez at first base. If oh, yeah, him. absolutely. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's going to be interesting because they're also... Um, also been interested in um I, I don't even want to pr- try botching his <laughs> name but the, i think it's the japanese uh Tosugo yeah. or whatever his name is who can play first base in the outfield but yeah I mean, if you sign edwin then you just roll with that and have rowdy play first base next year and give him a legitimate chance yeah and i think that might be the safe play for the blue jays along with everything i then uh, something about just seeing <laughs> Biggio, Bichette, and Vladdy anchored by Edwin Encarnacion just screams fun. <laughs> I don't know why. It just sounds very, very intriguing to know that you got Edwin Encarnacion ready to bat right behind Vladdy Jr. And then Loris Gurriel probably wrapping it up that top five of your lineup. That's insane, Brendan. That's good quality offense. So- yeah, you got seven guys right there. You're going through the order right now. Like You can just picture that right now. You probably pencil Lurtis in the leadoff spot, I'd imagine. Maybe Kevin as your two. There you go, Vlad, uh, Edwin, Bichette, Jansen, and Tioscar, and Grichik. Actually, that's eight guys yeah. right there. And then Rowdy. So there you go. That's a pretty damn good uh, One way or the other, that single-season home run record looks like it might be in threat. <laughs> oh, for sure. Especially if some of them live up to their... Uh, like if Vlad Jr. doubles what he just did. Uh, in 2019 and lives up to the, the, the hype that he got coming up here. And I mean, I'm not saying that Vlad didn't. It, yep. well, he didn't come to the unfair the level of expectation. The like Trout level of play that he was supposed exactly, yeah. to do. Was For it, sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Fangraphs and uh, Baseball Reference have Vlad Jr. after post-call-up in the MVP race? Yeah, he did. They absolutely did. <laughs> yeah, and being one of the most valuable players in all of baseball. And after he got called up. Come on, that's, yeah. that doesn't matter. That's Ichiro Suzuki after he's played in freaking a million years in the ja- Japanese league. You know, it's, that doesn't happen. <laughs> oh, that's two Ichiro jokes I've made in one night. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that just means you're wanting Hunjin Ryu, man. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so, But, Brendan, that, that I, like, like we were mentioning, I think the Edwin thing seems very realistic, but the only thing I think that seems like a possible deterrent on the Edwin thing is that is a ridiculously right-handed lineup with Edwin in it where you might be able to get some lefty pop at first base yeah yeah it is a lot of righties in your lineup but at the same time 2015 and 2016 were full of right-handers as well and it worked out pretty well offensively so yeah me too I'm fine with trying to replicate that probably not maybe not for another year or two or three but still no it's going to be this is why it's frustrating again, and I fully understand the frustration of the fan base. You know the talent that you currently have. Your offensive core, other than maybe one legitimate outfielder, uh, is pretty much set going into twenty nine or twenty twenty. And could so, there be any quieter talk on any front for the Blue Jays? Is the outfield? I have not heard I know. one tidbit of any useful information. And the only thing I can think of is maybe they actually are legitimately interested in giving Anthony Alford a shot. But That'd be nice. It'd be nice. I know that's what you and I have wanted. But it would be nice to see something forming possible, even a possible rumor of somebody being brought into that outfield. Because there's a lot of good outfielders being even talked about in the trade market. Starling Marte would look pretty nice in that outfield. <laughs> 
Well, and the asking price, apparently, from Ben Charrington, who knows this farm system like no tomorrow, is, uh, is a young, controllable catcher. So go to the Pittsburgh Pirates, maybe remove Danny Jansen from that conversation, be like, hey, choose from Reese McGuire, Gabriel Mourinho, and some of the other catchers that we have in our system and run with it, and we'll give you another, maybe we'll give you an arm. And then, yeah, you get Starling Marte. It would be a clear upgrade on everything that you currently have in your outfield. And that would be the anchor point for the next few years for your outfield, too. And if Loris Gurriel Jr. continues to show what he showed in this past season in left field, that's two guys I can pencil into my lineup for years to come pretty good and be very, very happy with that, Brennan. Here's one outfielder that Morosi was saying the Blue Jays have checked in on and, and apparently are linked to. Cole Calhoun with the Los Angeles Angels. That is a big fat pass for me because they already have Cole Calhoun on their roster <laughs> in Randall Gritchick. Randall Gritchick and Cole Calhoun are so it's so stupid. similar. I, I, that's not, in my opinion, you get more production from Alfred or anybody than being able to bring in somebody like Calhoun that strikes out all the time, just like Gritchick. It doesn't, uh, doesn't make any sense. So, uh, I, trade me anybody but <laughs> freaking Cole Calhoun. doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, no, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, if that wasn't no, clear, that was me affirming your hard pass. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no. <laughs> you, I, I, I picked up what you were laying down there. Roger that book. Good buddy. So, <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> so the only other real things that the Blue Jays were rumored so far at the winter meetings, I think we have to talk that apparently somehow the Blue Jays had, quote, unquote, a significant offer to – Korean baseball resurgent Josh Lindbaum, but he, yes. he turns around and signs a three-year, eighteen million dollar deal. Significant. <laughs> yeah. I, so here's the thing. So you have Josh Lindblom, who you apparently have some real interest in, and they really, really liked him. And he goes around and turns into so it's a three-year deal with nine point one million dollars, and he can make up to eighteen point. Uh, he can make up to it's eighteen incentive. with incentives kicked in, right? Yep. That is. If you actually, actually wanted him and had that much of an interest, then Take what happens out of it? So here's my here, here's my guess. My guess is they knew Lindblom was going to be signing with the Brewers because the announcement of Tanner Roark happened like right around the same time Lindblom signed. So my guess is Lindblom was ta- uh, was target number one, and they went back to tar- target B and Tanner Roark because at least Lindblom can give you a little bit of upside compared to Roark. And you know what, man? The one thing, like, I mean, the, the jury's out on guys who go over to Korea or Japan and resurge and come back. They can either pan out like a Miles Michaelis with the St. Louis Cardinals from a few years ago, uh, or they can just flame out and be the guy they were before they went over to Japan or Korea. Lindblom was not overly good with the Pittsburgh Pirates when he was with them before he went overseas. So get it they really like him he's an analytics darling which this front office likes to pride themselves on analytics but yeah um my guess is that's how it played out Lindblom signed with the brewers and then they're like okay let's go to Roark. he's probably he's ready to sign let's just do it speaking of korean resurgent players how have we not heard anything about the blue jays being curious about eric thames being a highly powered left-handed bat that has found a really nice spot for the Milwaukee Brewers in the last two years as a first baseman. Seems a little odd that we haven't heard a check-in on that, isn't it? Well, you go and platoon 
Eric Sames and Edwin Encarnacion, and you had something that would be better than the 2016 platoon of Chris Colabello and Justin Smoke. Uh, yeah, sign me up. Uh, I know. The uh, Thames can play some outfield if you needed him in a pinch too. In in a pinch, absolutely, and he can play first base. Not okay. So yeah, no. If you platoon Eric Thames and Edwin Encarnacion, then you're looking at a pretty damn scary platoon at DH slash first base, and you can rotate all three of them in at first base if need be. At least something that is going to pepper the flight deck for the better <laughs> part of the season. <laughs> so, but yeah, back to Lindbaum. Um, it's surprising, like you said. It just seems like if this was purely their target, they didn't throw enough at it. And the quote-unquote significant after seeing how much the money was, I know it's not a big deal. It's a, a, a B, C level name, you know, And but it was one of those things to hear that this was quote-unquote a Blue Jays significant offer and then not hear anything after this whole thing and the dollar amount being what it is for just seemed really, really backwards to me. But what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's now the second time that they've made what they've said a very good and competitive offer. I know it was significant, apparently, for Lindblom, but um, wasn't it Montoyo the other day who said he was there when the contract was offered to Kyle Gibson, and it was a good offer? And Kyle Gibson goes and signs a three-year, $30 million deal with the Rangers? Well, yeah, okay, so that's two times that you say you've made good and very, very competitive offers to two guys who ended up not signing with you. Either you're not doing a good enough job in selling the organization and the vision, or the more likely scenario is, no, your offers actually weren't good. <laughs> or it was perfectly on point, and the person didn't want to have any interest in coming north of the border. That, too. That probably <laughs> played into the decision for Kyle Gibson, for sure. And, pro- uh, and I think you can throw that out the window for Josh Lindblom, because he went overseas to play in Japan. So I would, would highly think. doubt that there would be... <laughs> you yeah, have to go all the way to Korea doubt. to play baseball. You can't come, you know, a few hours north of Buffalo, New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right by the border if you want to go back home. For you can go wherever sake. the hell you want. We have a very yeah. nice airport. <laughs> we already said that. We went our, in our Rio pitch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, You get a whole bunch of nice airports with it. Uh, but, so, I got one other thing I forgot to talk to you about before we wrap completely up other than the quote-unquote Jose Urania rumor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I want to even consider this a rumor, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what that was. I gotta go find it because I retweeted it. Uh, but I mean, Urania is still under control until the end of 2021, so he he is controllable, and he's still youngish. He's 28, but as you were saying before we started recording, I believe he's a bit of a firecracker and a bit of a loose cannon. Um, they've had a few of those on their rosters the past few years, like Roberto Osuna. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, no. Like, it doesn't fit my and, dugout, in my opinion. No, exactly. Especially what they're trying to mold with these young players as winners. And they've exa- been doing yeah. that throughout their minor league tenure and doing that very efficiently. It's, this is a guy you throw in, and I just feel like you're trying to torch it. I feel like lighting yeah. it on fire. Yeah, he's got a fastball. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That is, that's it. And you know what? You go back and look at his stats with the Marlins. I mean, the Marlins haven't been a good team forever, but Urania isn't impressive. His best season came in 2018 when he made 31 starts and a 1.7 F or F4, according to Fangraphs. But you look beyond that, 2016 and 12 games started, 0.2. Uh, 0.2 of the year after in 28 starts, and then this past season, 0.6, and he got lit up doesn't strike out a whole lot of guys, gives up quite a few home runs, 
I don't know why they would have any sort of interest in Jose Urania. He's not that good. His whip went up 0.3 from 2018 to 2019. <laughs> That's a lot of extra yeah. players on the base paths <laughs> that I don't like. <laughs> no, no. And, Especially and, and in the American point. League East. Dude, he's playing in Miami. That's a big damn ballpark. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that he gives up that many home runs, but... And then you look at it and be like, okay, let's just say hypothetically they added Urania for whatever reason. Why the hell would you when you know damn well that you could probably get better production from Anthony Kay or Trent Thornton or and I, know uh, I don't know already. You know, it's yeah, in, in exactly. my organization. <laughs> yeah, TJ TJ Zoy too, and uh, who knows when at least their stuff get is here. ground ball rated. Yeah, exactly. That's a one good decent thing. Yes. And I'd rather, out of the pitching that the Blue Jays have, if I'm having to take a wild card on somebody, I'm taking it on one of our own guys right now. I'm not bringing a guy like Jose Urania into this organization to possibly just be a headache. And it's not worth it. They're projecting him to have a (laughs) mid-four war this year and only get 111 innings in with the Marlins. That's the way-too-early projection, but his whip is still also near a 1.5. Yeah, no, that's high. <laughs> very, very hard pass. Just to put that in perspective for our non-analytical people, around a 1.1 is usually the creme de la creme of Major League Baseball. 1.2-ish is usually your average everyday levels. <laughs> so it is what it is, but that's a lot of extra bases or base runners that do not play well in the American League East ballparks. I just imagine that's a two-something war in the American League East, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, if that. <laughs> yeah, and the sky's the limit. <laughs> yeah. So the one thing I wanted to talk about is I found an interesting article by our friends at SB Nation on the Beyond the Box score. I reposted this on our Twitter account that the Blue Jays have drafted the highest future war or our war of all Major League Baseball teams since 2010. And, Brendan, this is sad because it's not even frickin' close. The Blue Jays have literally drafted uh, all their players equivalent to a future war of 149. The next closest organization is actually, sadly, the Miami Marlins, and they're barely (laughs) over 110 future war. But the biggest difference in the whole frickin' article here, and this is what really blew my mind, forgetting who we have drafted and who we've lost in those drafts. Don't forget, Blue Jays fans, the Blue Jays actually drafted Chris Bryant, and he chose to go to college. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of this uh, is, taking into, is not taking into consideration that Anthopolis love to take risks and flyers on guys who probably weren't going to sign so that's part of it but no at the same time you look at it and it's kind of astonishing it's a good thing in a way being like yeah you can trust this organization scouting it's uh they, it's the best way identified, of looking at it yeah, that is the best way of looking at it it sucks that they got away but chris bryant and then second on that list is aranola yes. starter for the phillies who's pretty damn good and mm-hmm. he didn't sign either but the other ones down there pilar Marcus Stroman, they had him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Noah Syndergaard is the one that's on here that um, 
notoriously uh, right now it, the, in this article it goes on to tell that the math is Chris Bryant, Noah, and Noah Syndergaard account for forty point six percent of that <laughs> FR yeah. number. That is yeah. insane. But the fact that the Blue Jays, like you said, were doing a good job knowing that these were the talented players, so enough to draft them and take that risk. You, it is what it is. But I am still confident that even like right now, as you're looking at this, those numbers for Vlad Jr. and everybody are in here. That is a very significant thing to be saying about our organization and how our we have went about baseball business with evaluating talent for the last decade. I thought that was very, very interesting. And Blue Jays fans, hit over to SB Nation, like I said, beyond the box score to read the rest of that article. It is very, very interesting. And, Brendan, I was just wanted to get your two cents out of it. It's pretty crazy stuff, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it, it, is, it is crazy. And it would have been so nice to have Aaron Nola right now. I mean, out of all the guys they let get away. We would be uh, having one, some of these big... conversations right now <laughs> if we were having Aaron Nola. The, the narrative would be a lot different, wouldn't it? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. But. Well, anyway... It's, it's a good thing to see that, that they've been good at scouting and identifying talent. And you know what? I know everybody's really, really frustrated with the front office currently, but the one good thing that you always have to get them credit for is they've been excellent talent identifiers and have been able to stock this farm system relatively quickly in a short amount of time since they truly started the rebuild uh, when they traded Josh Donaldson in 2018 to the Indians. That was the true trivet down to the bare bones and the fact that you're going into 2020 with your offensive core set and some of those guys are your own draft picks from this run office, it's pretty damn good. So you can at least take some solace in that and be comfortable that, yeah, they will always be able to carry a good farm system with this run office. Now the question mark remains, can you sign that big fish when it's out on the free agent market? Get it done and restore some faith to this fan base. Or at least give us something to wrap our teeth into because we're all fucking furious. <laughs> Foaming at the mouth, right? You chew on something. So, but Brendan, I got one last thing before I'm going to let you jump in with anything. Charlie Montoyo has been doing a ton of interviews at the winners' meetings, whether it's been on TSN, uh, the Major League Baseball Network, whatever. However, the fact that he has very, very consistently said that what we were talking about previous in the show, that they are seriously going after that talent. It's just not forming up, and that's how things work. Other things he's been talking about, everybody is asking Vladdy, how is his next season going to be, Brendan? And I think you know the answer to this. What is the quote-unquote quintessential Charlie Montoya line right now about Vladdy's offseason? He's in the best shape of his life. <laughs> it's so cliche, but this is one of those ones that I honestly want to believe. Because, Brendan, come on, we, we, Vladdy is Vladdy, but the fact that he's never played a full Major League Baseball season, he just might have ran out of gas at the end of the season. I think we all saw it. The the you know the bat speed and everything was there, but there was a clear, I need to get to the offseason and get to, get to the damn gym kind of <laughs> mentality going on. And I think that we've seen it in the random tweets from Roddy Telez and company that he is putting in a ton of work. And it has me really excited for next year, just knowing the fact that he's working that hard. It's going to be interesting to see if that pays off. I think it will. It definitely will help him at third base and be able to go through the regulars. They've been on record saying that, yeah, Vlad in September really got tired and was really starting to get worn down. We shed some of that extra poundage. That can definitely give you some more mileage. So if that's the case, 
then I think we can confidently say that this season for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be better than his 2019 season. Not just the fact that he has experience now at the big league level, but he's more uh, better equipped uh, to handle the rigors of 162 game seasons. Which, uh, yeah, bring it on, baby! I want to see that five, six, seven win player in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And then the one other thing I want to mention too with the Bobuchet thing here during the interviews with Charlie Montoya, Bob uh, is apparently literally the leader we've been waiting for in this clubhouse, along with Vladdy and, K- and Kevin Biggio. He has went on in these interviews and multiple times said that Bobuchet has the craziest work work ethic, and the fact that Bobuchet during their season, you know, his first weeks in the Toronto Blue Jays, they go to Dodger Stadium. And Bobuchet is saying things to Charlie Montoyo and Vladdy and company going, a couple of years we're playing World Series games here. That That's is, uh, yeah, that's awesome. I love that mentality. And you know, a lot of superstar players have that exact same mentality, knowing that, yes, we'll, we're going to be here. And if you're going to put in that work and, and have that much of a good work ethic uh, from that young of an age, if that translates... Bo and Vlad are going to be a shit ton of fun to watch over the next six, seven longer amount of years. So buckle up, folks, because the offense could be very, very potent in 2020. <laughs> so Bubba Shett and everybody are putting in the work. We're putting this now on the front office. Get these kids the tools, the rest of this team, so it's you know ready to pluff, you know, just burst into the madness that we know we can take over the American League East and rise again to the dynasty that was started and then briefly puttered out for 2015-2016 Toronto Blue Jays baseball. But, Brendan, is there anything after our two weeks, three week, whatever many week hiatus that you would like to throw in to the fellow Blue Jays nation? All I'll say, Craig, is that I can totally understand and appreciate the frustration people have been having with this run office this offseason. People that, including us, who have defended them Nonstop from people who are being like, yeah, these people were just brought here to tear down 2015 and 2016 to make us purposely bad. That was always stupid. But the fact that you see people like yourself, myself, my buddy Michael LeClef, uh, Joshua Housem on Twitter, all these other very reputable, reputable, very knowledgeable baseball guys on Blue Jays Twitter openly criticizing and being upset uh, and wanting more is a sign that, yeah, it's time for some action. Put your money where your mouth is and pony up and show us that you mean business because I think people realize around baseball too, Greg, Blue Jays are going to be fun to watch in 2020 if only they have some pitching. It's funny. The last thing I'll say before I wrap up is when the Hunjin Ryu Toronto Blue Jays rumor first started, one of the first people to quote tweet that in excitement was Jared Carabas from Barstool Sports. And this guy before he got his big gig with Barstool as the main baseball guy and was hosting players on podcasts, was the biggest Red Sox homer ever. The fact that a Red Sox fan through and through who covers baseball was like, yes, go out and get him, Blue Jays. Knows how good this team could be. So let's do it, man. Come on. Yeah, I think the name of this episode just became shit or get off the pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that is, uh, that's a very appropriate episode title. Yeah, winter meetings and shit or get off the pot. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, Brendan, it has been a complete pleasure being back here on the show with you. I know we goof around and watch football and tweet tweet and text back and forth, but it was truly a pleasure to be back here tonight, and I'm glad we were able to do this and get this thing going back and rolling 
for what is going to be a fun couple weeks here, I think. Yeah, man. It's uh, no more two-week, three-week breaks or whatever. So it's uh, always good to get back, get in the flow of things, and, and hopefully bring what people think is good Blue Jays content uh, for your listening pleasures at work or on drives and commutes and, and whatnot. So hopefully you like this one. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. I'll be in the listening chair. And then right after that, Craig, will tease it already. Um, we'll make it work, and we'll get a nice little uh, Christmas wish list episode right before uh, Christmas holidays and Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's like a 12 days of Blue Jays Christmas or <laughs> something we got going on here, right? <laughs> so Hopefully there will actually be a present underneath the Christmas tree already by the time we uh, do that. One can only episode. hope. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, it's been a pleasure. Let's just end this as we always do, my friend. Let's go Blue Jays. Let's go Blue Jays. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.